1: All right. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Community. Super glad you're with us today. Uh, My name is Fritz Bielow. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you, Nick. Uh, (laughs) And the Nickites, right? Uh (laughs) Uh, But glad you're here. Um, And if we haven't met yet, yes, I hear you back there too. Um, But (laughs) it was a baby yelling, get off the stage. Um, But uh, if we haven't met, I would love to connect with you sometime today. Um, And then also want to welcome those joining online. Uh, As Jeff mentioned earlier, we got people right here in Hancock County. Um, actually all around the states and some new friends in Columbia, South America. So we're really glad that you are with us today. And and my question that I want to ask you uh, very quickly is this, is what do you do after you come to faith in Jesus Christ? I want you to think about that for just, just a moment. What do you do after... You come to faith in Jesus Christ. You've said yes to Jesus as your forgiver and leader. You realize that he is the Son of God. He has been raised from the dead, right? All of that is true. And now what? Now I want you to imagine for a moment, let's go one layer outside of that. And I want you to imagine for a moment that somebody that you care about deeply, a close friend, uh, uh, your child, your spouse, your mom or your dad, uh, somebody that you care about deeply, they come to faith. They say yes to Jesus as their forgiven leader. They realize that He is the Son of God and He has been raised from the dead. What do you What do you do? And they come to you and they say, "Now what? What, what would you say to them? What would you What would you encourage them in? How would you help them take next steps in their life? What would that look like? Would you Would you feel confident? that what you shared with them would be helpful and and true and right or would you maybe feel a little bit unsure and and kind of go well um uh, go to church, right? Like, like, just show up all the time, right? Every time the doors are open, be there, and uh, something good should come from that, right? Um, this is exactly what Peter deals with in chapter one of his letter. He basically, right, the first part of that we talked about that a few weeks ago. He says, "Listen, you've placed your faith in Jesus. Look how amazing, Look how wonderful! Look what God has done for you. Look what God has done in you." And then you get to verse thirteen, and in, in the next passages, and it's like. Now what? And Peter walks you through the now what? And so I want to show you three steps Peter invites every believer to take after coming to faith, and then what those three steps are all actually pointing to, right? They're all pointing to a larger truth and a larger principle uh, for us to believe and live by. And so as Matt mentioned, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, that's where we're going to be at today. We're in this series called Hope United, choosing faith, especially in times of doubt, because Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are Facing pushback for their faith. Their friends, their family who aren't believers yet are going, why would you be a Christian? That's stupid. They're shaming them. They're verbally abusive. They're isolating them. They're pushing back. And the whole goal is so that these people would give up their new faith in Christ and return to their old way of living. That's why Peter writes this letter to this group and why we're reading today. So you can really clearly see it's applicable for what we're going through. Now, one special note before we pray uh, for the message uh, that's going to happen today. Um, I've invited a friend of mine. uh, You probably know him well. He typically hides behind this glass plexiglass uh, thing back here His name is Levi Calvin and he's actually going to help me teach uh, a portion of this uh, This day's teaching because he's kind of journeying with us in ministry discerning what God's call might be in his life And so uh, we wanted to help him take this step So at some point uh, you're going to get to meet Levi and hear what God has to say through him Um, But before we go any further, let's take a moment and bow our heads and pray Lord, I am so grateful that you see past every outward appearance, um, all of the ways that I try to build myself up, all of the ways that we try to protect ourselves from each other, from being transparent and vulnerable, and you see into the very hearts of each one of us. Uh, you discern our thoughts, you discern our intentions, you discern our very emotions within us, even before we're, we're fully aware of what's going on inside of us. And so I would pray that this morning that you would, your spirit would invite us to come into a posture of humility. To come before you, not as people uh, who are kind of going, well, this is what I thought about the music. This is what I thought about the video. This is what I thought about the teaching. This is what I thought about the... But I wonder if we might actually put ourselves before you and say, God, what do you think about me? What do you think about my life? When the scripture come forward, I pray that it would act as a mirror unto my own soul. And I would be able to see clearly who Christ is and know that my only hope is putting all of my faith and all of my trust and all of my weight on him. And I would pray that for everybody else here this morning as well. We want to hear from you more than, more than anyone else. May you come, may you invade. We welcome you. We know you're here. We welcome you to further invade this space and draw us closer and teach us how to trust you more and more like we never have before. We ask these things through Christ and everyone said, Amen, amen. Okay, so I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I just want to read verse 13 for a moment. It says this, therefore, we're going to pause right there, because that word is so critical. What Peter is saying, everything that I wrote to you in the previous section of this letter has absolutely everything to do with what I'm about to tell you. And if you disconnect 1 Peter 13 through 21, from 1 Peter verses 1 through 12, you will miss the point of what Peter is saying. He's saying, in light of how amazing God is, how great he is, his salvation through Christ, his grace he's given to you, now, this is what we do. Now, in response, this is how we live, this is how we trust. But if you only start at verse 13, and you miss the first part, you'll go headlong into religion, you'll go headlong into legalism, and you will try to earn God's love, and you'll try to earn God's favor, and you can't do it. It's impossible. So therefore, very, very critical. Let's pick back up. Maybe we'll get more than one word. Okay, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying here, here's the first truth. What do you do after you come to faith? This is what Peter says. Set your hope on grace. Set your hope on grace. This is what Peter says. After you come to faith, set your hope on grace. And what he's saying is he's saying look forward with hope to what Jesus has already done for you, and what Jesus is going to do in you when he comes for you, right? And, and what he's referring to is kind of a double-edged meaning, right? And so on the one hand, he's definitely talking about Jesus' second return, right? When he comes back bodily, gloriously, amazingly, uh, to totally, uh, you know, judge the world. If you're in Christ, you don't have to go towards that in fear. Right? If you're in Christ, you actually can look forward to that with hope and with joy, knowing that you're going to meet your bridegroom face-to-face with expectation. And he says, so whether it's Jesus' second coming or whether Jesus comes for you at the end of your life, he says, set your hope on the grace, knowing, knowing that you're going to receive your ultimate reward. You are going to be in the presence of God. It'll be fully unrestricted. There'll be nothing between you and him. It'll be amazing. It'll be glorious. You'll be in his presence. You'll be overwhelmed. Right? You're not going to be thinking about everything else. You know, some of us were like so busy, like, "Well, is Jesus, guys, a pre-millennial, post-millennial, mid-trip, post-trip, what is it? All this kind of stuff." You get to heaven, you, know, I'm going to find out from God what it was. You know, really, and it's like, no. When you're in God's presence, you're going to go. Whoa. You're going to drop to your knees. You're going to lay prostrate in front of him, and you're going to worship him in his greatness. And the last thing that's going to come to your mind was it pre-trip mid-trib, or post-trib. It's going to be, I, I can't believe this is who he is. I can't believe this is how amazing that you are. And so what Peter is saying, he's saying, listen, just be ready. Be ready, right? It's the same parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 35. He, Jesus says, listen, uh, you want to be like the servants when the master's away for the wedding and he comes back late at night? You want to be like the servants who are awake and ready, right? You don't want to be the servants who are asleep, Doing something else, you know, because if you are, you're going to be found wanting and you're going to be left outside when the master comes home. And so Peter's just using the same language that he learned from his rabbi Jesus of being ready. And he says things like, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober minded. And what he's saying again, he's just saying, be ready, right? You can't, don't lull yourself to sleep with some of the idle things of this world because what it'll do is it'll actually lull you into a napping state, and you'll forget the fact that we're actually living not for this world. We're living for another and that every single person will have an eternal destiny. And those who are in Christ will receive the grace and the hope of the reward. And those who are outside of Christ are going to be separated from him forever. Right? And it's like, man, that, that's what we live for. Right? Don't set up shop here. Like, recognize this is all temporary. Be ready. Be sober-minded and ready to go. And so what Peter would say is after you come to faith, set your hope on grace and let that begin to move and motivate what you do and how you live. So for these next two truths, uh, I'm inviting up my good friend, Levi Calvin, who's going to walk us through those. So I wonder if you would welcome Levi Calvin this morning as he comes to take over. All right. Give him to him. I tried to warm him up. I like it. Good morning, everybody. My name is Levi,
0: and I'm an intern that just recently started here, and I've got a little bit to cover, so we'll just jump right on in. So truth one was that we set our hope on the grace that comes from Jesus Christ. Truth two is going to be found in verses 14 through 16, and that reads as, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So the truth too that we get from that is that we step into holiness. Truth too, we step into holiness. As a refresher, holy just means to be set apart to God, to or for God. So and that's kind of what our salvation looks like. At one point we were separated from God. We were part of this world and we were controlled by our passions and our desires and just we lived our own way. But as we got to know God, we got to be set apart to God, to do His will and be able to live in a way that brings Him glory. Verse 14 calls us to live as obedient children. I used to work at Dietz's where we had a lot of high school kids that would be pretty much categorized into two groups. You'd have the obedient and then the disobedient. (laughs) The disobedient ones. (laughs) The disobedient ones—they didn't listen. They did what they wanted. You had to worry about them and what they were going to be doing, and most of all, you knew that they were going to cause some grief along the way. And then you had the obedient ones, and then they had—they did what was required. They followed orders. They set good examples. They helped people out as you were going along, and just knew that you could trust them. That was a real big thing that was able to be helpful, and that's what we're called to be. We're called to be obedient children. So a question remains is why do we pursue holiness or what's the point of pursuing holiness now? The NLT says for verse 14, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better back then. One of the ways that I look at that is being that we can't take our sin with us into heaven. We're not able to, we're going to be totally made into the image of Christ to where we can't bring our old desires and passions with us. So what that calls for is just holiness now and walking in that way now is able to prepare us for eternity. Holiness prepares us for eternity. We'd also want to pursue holiness also just because of the response in knowing that of all all that what God has done for us. So then the question remains of if you desire your own way for whatever reason, what makes you think that you'd want to pursue holiness for eternity? Because when I hear the term living a holy life, that feels, or especially when it comes to the word holy, the word holy is just, a, it's a godly word. It doesn't seem like it could be a word that can describe me or my life or any any way or such thing. But in, even sometimes, even when I was walking with the Lord, it would seem that it was impossible to make that change or I'd wait for a specific thing to happen, whether if it was a job change or a neighbor that you didn't like that would do whatever he wanted to do and to be able... <laughs> but just to be able to wait for the right thing to happen. And then I would be able to jump into that. But the encouragement is is that we know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. And with that, He just doesn't call us to live a holy life and then leaves and then just watches with a bag of popcorn at the sidelines. He's in there with us. He helps us achieve it alongside calls us to it. So He helps us by changing our desires so that we live by His Spirit and not by our own desires. So that's truth two. So truth two is we're called to step into holiness. So for truth three, we'll be in 17 through 21 of First Peter. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So truth number three is we live in awe. Truth number three, we live in awe. I like how verse 17 says in the NLT, it says, so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. I think fear has the connotation of being afraid, and I don't think that's what it fully means here, is that fear is not afraid, but more as in a feeling of overwhelming amazement. And that kind of looks, what is is being amazed by what? What are we amazed by? And some of the things that are said throughout the passage is that we're saved through Christ, through his precious blood, We can rejoice that it was planned, and that he thought of you when he paid the price of the cross, and that there was also just the fact that we can rejoice that there was something in you that he wanted to spend eternity with. He wanted to have you with him in heaven for eternity. Just some of the ways we can be in awe of what he's done, but with this knowledge also comes the day that everyone inside Christ and outside of Christ are all going to have to be held accountable to everything that they've done. And we know if we come to God on our own works, we're going to fall short. As verse 16 says, we've got to be holy, for I am holy. And if we come bearing our good works or knowing that we donated our time or money or if we never said a bad word, we know that it's still not going to be enough. But we look to God because he made a way. We are able to come to God. We're able to get not only his life, his death, his resurrection, his spirit, and his good deeds. Then and only then we'll be able to be counted as Righteous. Accepted into the kingdom of God as an heir of Christ so what's next how do we live in awe well we take that step into holiness and I and I can imagine many others would also guarantee to say that it won't be easy it's not going to be super easy to just jump into that because Satan wants you to believe that there, you can't live without sin that it's impossible to go without sinning throughout life it's just not not possible but Isaiah 55 11 says it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I also like how it says similarly in the NIV. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It's easy to think that we're made right with Christ, or we're justified by Christ, and then we get saved by our works. When, in all reality, there is no part of our salvation that, isn't, that God isn't a part of. God is with us every step of the way, and he never leaves us. So, kind of in closing, this is how we live in awe. We can t- take the step into holiness because we put our hope and faith in God, so that when we stumble, not if, unfortunately, but when we stumble, we can get back up again And to know that it's okay to stumble and that it's all a progression. For the last verse, I like to look to the book of Jude. I like calling it the book of Jude because there's only one chapter, so it makes it feel as if you read a lot more than what you did. But (laughs) so verse 24 says, Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you into his glorious presence without a single fault. Wow. That's pretty
1: neat. (laughs) then you do pretty good this morning? Yeah. Good <laughs> job. All right. See you next week. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, it's like, man, set your hope on the grace, step into holiness, and live in awe, like realizing what Christ has done for you. And that you could, on your best day, right, when you take your vitamins and you drink your V8 and you do all the things you're supposed to do, you would never even be able to come close to what Christ has accomplished for you on your behalf. And so I told you that these three truths are all kind of pointing to a larger principle, a larger truth, and a larger way of living, and it's this. This is what Peter's really talking about at the core of these verses. Give your life fully to God. Give your life fully to God. That's what salvation is. At its essence, that's what being saved is. See, sin is living for myself, living under my own direction, living uh, by my own guidelines or whatever I choose. And salvation in Christ is being saved away from that. Do you understand? It's not, see, salvation is not being saved into a better version of your dumpy life. This is a whole new way. Of living a brand new way. Because the old way, like Peter says, he goes, listen, you lacked knowledge about who God is and the truth of how life really is. You focused on pleasing yourself. You live life based on the culture and the wisdom around you. But the new way, the new way, you're led, you're informed by the truth of God's character, by the word, right? You're no longer focused on pleasing yourself. You're actually focused on pleasing God. That every facet of your life is actually under God's leadership, every action, every word, every thought, every desire and intention, right? You know what? You know what Peter's saying? He said, this new way of living, it's Jesus. That's what it is. You want to know what the new way of living is? It's Jesus. Just look at the life of Jesus, right? Like Jesus simply lived every single moment under God's leadership, There was never a moment that he did not rely on God. There was never a moment he didn't trust God. And so what he did is he spent his entire earthly life earning righteousness for you. So that now, by faith, when you put your trust in him, there's this unfair transfer that happens between accounts. See, Jesus has all of the positive balance in his account, and we have all of the Negative balance in our account, right? It looks like my bank account, uh, but, right? But it, so what Jesus says, I want to do this transfer, right? I want to do this transfer. I'm going to give you all of my balance, and I'm going to take all of your debt, right? And so not only, right, my, my balance doesn't simply nullify and bring your debt to zero. I'm taking away your debt as if you never had it, and I'm giving you all of my righteousness as a gift, Right? This is salvation. This is the start of it. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And, and actually, let's do this. Let's read this passage out loud together, starting with, For God knew his people. All right, are you ready? Go. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I want to hone in on that one phrase, that he chose them to become like his Son, you are predestined to come in to the image of Christ. Not, it's not a better version of Fritz that God has called me to. It, you see, this is a whole new way of living, and there's something to understand when we're talking about giving our lives fully to God. It really does start with what God's done in us because there's three aspects about growing into the likeness of the son. The first one is this, is that the moment of genuine faith, the moment you genuinely say yes to Jesus as your forgiver and as your leader, what happens is you in that moment are declared holy, sinless, and perfect in Christ. That when God looks at you, he does not see you in your filthy rags. He does not see you in your sin. He sees you as his holy, perfect, blameless son, and he finds joy in you, right? He's giving you a new identity. That's the first aspect of what it becomes, what it means to become into the image of Christ is the reality that you are already seen in that way by God when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the second part is the part that we're more familiar with. The second aspect is this, is that if, when you're in Christ, you're already seen as holy, blameless, sinless. The second part is, is that you literally spend the rest of your existence growing into Christ's likeness, practically, right? You're practically growing into the likeness of Christ. And so what that means is you're discovering new freedom from sin, Right? The things I used to do that were opposed to God are now beginning to dwindle. They're fading away. I don't have a desire for them anymore like I used to. Right? I'm battling against them. I'm actively pushing against them. And there's freedom to love God more and more and more and more. Right? You're growing into this sense, and that happens all of the time. And that's both passive and active. So there's a level where that transformation is being done to you, but there's a level where you're engaging and you're participating in that transformation. Uh, Maybe you don't fully understand what I mean when I say that, so I want to look at two passages really quickly. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, right? This is a starting point. By the mercies of God, In light of that, right, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so what he's saying is this is what we do, right? In light of what God has done, we actively engage in presenting ourselves to God. And look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's the passive. So in light of what God has done, there's an active engagement that we jump in, but there's also a passive work that the Holy Spirit is transforming us in the process. Do you see? So it's both God is doing it in me, but I am also actively walking and engaging with him in obedience, like Levi was talking about before. You go, okay, that's one verse you pulled out of Romans, big whoop. Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter 2, okay? You don't believe me. Look at Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. What part is that? That's the active part, right? I'm God is inviting me, right? To engage, to exercise, to work out, to strengthen my salvation. Now look at verse 13. For God, right? Let's jump right here. We go. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. There's the passive. So the question is, in spiritual growth, is it on me or is it on the Lord? And the answer is yes, right? That's the answer. It's together. Right, we walk through this thing together, and there's this active engagement in partnering with the Lord. It's a little bit like learning to play guitar. I was uh, with a friend not too long ago, and um, we were in a small group, and she had mentioned, "Hey, I'm learning how to play guitar. Do you have any tips for me?" And I said, "Yeah, run." Um, but no, uh, what we were talking about, I started thinking about, you know, what she's looking for. She's looking for someone who knows and can empower her to know what to do. But then, you know, what also she has to do? She's got to practice. She's got to take the time. She's got to engage. She's got to get her dexterity and her fingers and flexibility and strength and all that kind of stuff. And so I can show her, I can instruct her, I can empower her, but until she jumps in and starts practicing and learning to play on her own, right, it's just, it's just knowledge. It doesn't go anywhere. And so it's very similar to that on a lower level. So, so you've got the moment I say yes to Jesus, I'm declared sinless, I'm declared blameless, and then the rest of my existence, I'm growing. I'm, I'm, right, God is freeing me from sin. He's freeing me to love him more. But then there's a third aspect to giving your life fully to God, coming into the likeness of the Son. And it's this, is that one day, one day, this is what Peter's talking about. You're going to experience complete freedom from sin, and you're going to experience complete presence of God. That Both, both those things are going to happen. You're going to be totally set free from the very presence of sin. Right? You're not, you don't have to worry about the penalty. You don't have to worry about the power. You're not, because you're not even gonna have to worry about the presence. Sin will not even exist in heaven in God's sight. And so this whole idea of giving your life fully to God, what God is doing is he is inviting you to return back to Genesis chapter one. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, this is after God has created this amazing creation, right? Sun, moon, stars, water, land, animals, all of this kinds of stuff. And then the apex of his creation, Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, God says this, let us therefore make man in our image. And so he created them male and female in his own image. You see, salvation is about stepping back in to the image of God. It's about stepping back in to the likeness of Christ, right? Because we lost that. It's been marred through our selfish living, our, our living focused on what we want and what we desire. This is, this is why Peter says, man, what do you do after you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Well, you, you just keep giving your life fully to God, right? That was the first step. And now you just keep doing that for the entire rest of your life. And, and, it, and you grow in it, and sometimes it's easier, and sometimes it's challenging, and, and yet this is what it looks like. And so very quickly, I just have a couple of minutes, and I, want to share, I think it's important to share this because some of you are going, okay, I, I'm with you. I buy that. How do I do that? How do I give my life fully to God? And the first step is the, is the biggest, but it's the most important. Here's the first step. It's the supernatural miracle of belief. I want to say that again because it's so important. It's the supernatural miracle of belief. Because there's this level where I can't really believe that Jesus is who he is, that he's done what he's done, until the Holy Spirit opens up my eyes to that truth. And then when I see that, I can never unsee it. Right? It becomes so blatantly aware. But you have to see that this is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. But then there's the other side that once you see it, you have to make a decision. You decide to trust God. And so some of you are you're going right you're thinking about the people that you love. You know there's 50,000 plus people in Hancock County who are far from Christ and you know many of them and you love many of them, not all of them, but many of them, right? And so you're going, "My goodness, why, how do I help them come to faith? How do I make them believe?" And here's the thing, you can't. So then you go, "Well, then what do I do?" I'll tell you what to do. It's a supernatural miracle for somebody to believe. So if you're going to engage in a supernatural miracle, you've got to engage in supernatural activity. And I'm going to tell you how you help somebody else come to faith in Jesus Christ. You pray. You pray. You pray, and you plead, and you beg, and you remind God why this is a good idea and why he should keep his word, right? And you, ple- and, and you do all of that, right? And, you're, and what you're doing is you're praying to the choir, right? God already knows that. He believes that. and He's working in those people's lives. And you just keep praying. And maybe you're here this morning going, I want to believe, but I, I can't yet. What do I do? Pray. Pray. And then couple that with this. I would read one of the Gospels. Maybe it would start like in the Gospel of John and just write, not like, what do I do? How do I earn? What do I do? To, you know, just who's Jesus? Who's God? What's he accomplished? Why would he do all of this? What is it? And let the Holy Spirit open up your eyes to truth. And then there's going to be a day. It's amazing. It's amazing. Those of you guys who know, You've been there, right? You were there. You're like bebopping along life. You're doing whatever you want. And you're just kind of going. And you've got this empty pit that's in your life. You're like, ah, everybody has that. It's okay. And so you go. And then one day something happens and the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and you see Christ more clearly than you've ever seen him before. And you're like, I have to do something about this, right? And so sometimes it's in a church service. Sometimes it's in your car. Sometimes it's in your bedroom at home, right? It, It just, it happens wherever. And you just simply have to respond and you put your faith and there's no real formula. You just, you do it, and you say yes, and you trust, and then you end up gathering with people like this, and you go, hey, I'm trusting Jesus now. Do you trust Jesus? You go, yeah, and they go, do you know how to do it? go, I'm still learning. And Can I learn with you? Okay, right? This is what it looks like, and we look to the Word, and we read the Scriptures, and we see the truth that God has, and I want to tell you this. This is going to sound like a very bold and strong statement, but I can tell you, I cannot say this strongly enough. It is impossible to grow spiritually in the character of Jesus Christ, apart from the Bible. Podcasts won't do it. Reading books that Christian authors have written won't do it. Listening to Christian music won't do it. This is the only way. This is the the only way that you discover the character of God, and he begins to transform you. It's through scripture and his Holy Spirit. And if you're bypassing this, you're, you're, you're actually not engaging in spiritual growth. You're doing something else. I know that sounds really like tight and whatever. It's just true. Okay. I'm telling you, I'm telling you from personal experience. I'm telling you from the truth of scripture. And I'm telling you from the experience of literally hundreds and thousands of people around us as well. And so you've got to develop, you've got to ask God to develop this desire for scripture. And here's the last thing I would share with you about giving your life fully to God. Always be ready for a funeral and always be ready for a birth. Here's what I mean by that. I have spent the last 20-whatever years of my life following Jesus constantly killing my old self. I am just constantly putting my old self to death, right, all of the time. It shows up through confession. It comes up through repentance. It comes out through just talking to the Lord, and I'm just constantly killing. So you always have to be ready for a funeral because you're killing yourself, like, every day. But then you always have to be ready for a birth because when you kill your old self, what the Holy Spirit does is he actually begins to do a spiritual renewal in your life that where that old self was occupying, he's putting in new fruit, he's putting in new desires, he's putting in new uh, thinking, a renewal of your mind, right? And so the old, right? The old might look like this. Here's one for me, is if you disrespected me, I would retaliate. And it wouldn't be enough to get you back even, i double what you did to me. That's the old way. I had to kill that guy many, many times. Sometimes I still have to, right? And the new way in Christ is when you do something disrespectful to me or something hurtful to me, what I have to do is I actually just have to absorb that shame. I just have to absorb that humiliation that comes with that, take it to the Lord, and then return that with blessing, and return that with prayer, and return that with humility, right? This is what I'm talking about. See, following Christ, it's not easy. (laughs) People are like, oh, you know, Christianity, that's a crutch. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is called to a higher level of living than you've ever lived in your entire life. You will never live a more challenging and yet a more fulfilling and purpose-filled life than walking with Christ. There's a fight. There's a battle when you give yourself fully to God. And so always be ready for a funeral and a birth. But you've got to know salvation is, it is at its core, giving your life fully to God. That's what it is. So I want to throw out just one idea, a next step you might consider taking this week. And it's going to be challenging. Um, I'm just going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to set it up. Here's what it is. If you would just spend time this week examining your own life, just examining your own life. Don't examine other people's lives, right? I'm good at that, right? Like examine your own life. And so here's what I mean by that, that it's actually next step on the back of your Blue Connection card is that each day this week, you might take five to 10 minutes simply reflecting on your own life and you would ask two questions. And here's the first question. What areas of my life am I embracing God's leadership? What areas of my life am I embracing God's leadership? And as you identify them, praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. And then ask this question. What areas of my life am I resisting God's leadership in my life? And those are the moments where you'll have to confess, and you'll have to repent, and you'll have to take your dagger out, and you'll have to kill your old self, right? And you'll have to then praise God that he forgave you for that too. And he's setting you free from that too. But what areas of my life am I embracing God's leadership? What areas of my life am I resisting God's leadership? And let the Holy Spirit lead you from there. You see, Christianity, it's not a better version of your life. It's an entirely new life. And I love what Christian author C.S. Lewis writes when he says this. He says, the Christian way is different. It's harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time. I don't want so much of your money. I don't want so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the truth, or drill the tooth, or crown the tooth, or stop the tooth. I want to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self. All the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit, I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. This is what it is to walk with Christ by faith. This is what Peter is saying to us. And so give your life fully, fully, not half, not three quarters, not 99.9, fully to the Lord. It's the only way you'll experience joy and freedom the way that you were designed to. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and ask the question we ask every weekend. And it's simply this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And then I just, I want you to listen to him for a moment. That I have a sense that in this moment, we've, we've walked through some content that, that may be really fresh for some people, and people who have been in church their entire lives that are kind of going, well, I, I, just, I just thought I was supposed to swear less, drink less, help old ladies across the street, and open the door at church on Sunday or something like that. I didn't know that you came to take over everything Maybe my prayer today, Lord, is that there would be some eye-opening moments that your Holy Spirit would do a supernatural miracle even right now in opening up the eyes of people who have spent years and decades in church believing that because they're good because they're trying to be moral, because they're trying to pay you back for the kindness that you've shown them, then that means they must be a Christian when actually they, if that's what they're basing off of, they are as far away from faith in Christ as someone who's an atheist and opposing the work of the gospel. And they need you. And so my prayer today is that you would not allow anyone Lord, and not even myself to be lulled into sleep that believing that being good is the goal you've called us to be new good flows from that but the starting place is new cutting the whole tree down taking the whole tooth out bringing the whole old way of living down so that the new can step in I pray that you would open up the eyes of my friends and family here today. I shared with you that the way you step into that is through the supernatural methods. And we're about to jump into that right now. And so we want to pray for you. And so what's going to happen here is the band is going to play one more song. And we're going to have prayer leaders who are heading right now to the corners of the room to be available to pray with you about any area of your life at all. And these are people, they are trained, they are ready, they are excited to pray with you today about anything. Could be what we've talked about, could be something different. Maybe you've got, maybe you're feeling really alone and isolated right now. Maybe you've got some you got some news lately and you need just prayer and encouragement. You're praying for healing. You're praying for reconciliation and relationship. Maybe today you're praying, I, I, I get what Fritz is saying. I'm praying for the supernatural gift of faith that today, God, God would grant that to me, and I would be able to say yes to Him. All of that can happen with these prayer leaders. They, we would love to pray with you today. Please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Every one of us need prayer, and so I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite you to do the same. So let's stand together here in the house. If you're joining online, you can head to mylighthousecommunity.com forward slash pray, and, and you can share requests there. We'll get those there. But let's let's pray, and then I want to invite you to do the same. Holy Spirit, I pray. That you, you alone, no one else, not obligation, not guilt, not shame, not anything, but that you, Holy Spirit, alone would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.